Welcome to Little Things, your weekly friend meet cute with me, Coastly Cummings. It's cozy time. Hello, welcome to Little Things. I'm so happy to be here. I am vaccinated. <laughs> I can't contain my happiness over being vaccinated. I it's been a long time coming. If we would have been in America, we probably would have been vaccinated six months ago. Um, but I was vaccinated on September 15th. So I got my first dose. I was in and out in maybe five minutes. And then they had you had everyone wait for 15 minutes and make sure you're feeling okay. I wish with all my heart that I could have taken video of the process because it was truly the most organized I don't know. It was like a lot of our experiences in Korea, like trying to sign paperwork and doing various things and just kind of being blown away by the organization and efficiency of it. And this was like the epitome. Um, but yeah, I was in and out super fast. I took a taxi there because I didn't know how I'd feel after. And I'm so glad I did because I really didn't feel well, even um, about 20 minutes afterward. And I was quite dizzy and very tired. So I'm glad I didn't drive and have to deal with parking and all that jazz. But yeah, I just kind of took a nap yesterday and I just feel kind of tired a little under the weather, but fine overall and just a sore arm, not a big deal. I got the Pfizer. They were doing AstraZeneca for a while and I think they have Moderna too. I'm not sure, but I got um, the Pfizer and my husband gets it next week. So we should be fully vaccinated. Um, they actually take, they do the second dose later. It's after six weeks here. They've found that they've seen a slight improvement in effectiveness by waiting, by postponing the second dose a little bit longer. So we'll be fully vaccinated by the end of October. Me, the end of October, my husband, the very early November. So um, that's super exciting. That means that we're now, I mean, not only are we vaccinated, so, you know, we have never had COVID, but it's always a risk. And so we feel better um, just that and making it a little safer for our kids because they can't be vaccinated. They're under the age of 12. Um, but also it means we are exempt from quarantine in Korea. Um, I think I've mentioned this before because we did this when we first moved here, but, um, for anyone coming into Korea, if you're not vaccinated well, for a long time, you just like couldn't come. <laughs> or if you did come, you had to come for a reason and you had to quarantine for two weeks in government um housing which you pay for yourself um or like in a kind of a hotel situation we were coming through my husband's company so we stayed in a, a nice apartment it wasn't you know it was definitely comfortable but it was uh, not great two weeks and having to stay inside <laughs> an apartment when you're in a new country and you're jet lagged um, and excited to start your life and you've got really energetic a lot of energy in your kids was tough. So that's a big reason why we didn't travel this summer too, besides the COVID risk, because I just knew that I could not do, I kind of swore to myself that we wouldn't do the two-week two quarantine again. So now that my husband and I are vaccinated, we are planning to go home to the West in America this holiday season and see our families. It's been one year. We moved um, Thanksgiving Day 2020. So it's been a year and we've definitely gone this long without seeing our family before. 
um, for many years, we lived on the East Coast and the majority of our family lived in the West. We did have some family in New York, but because of like financial reasons and various reasons, we weren't always able to go home um, very often. And there was one time where it was close to two years that I had seen uh, my parents or my sisters and lots of my family besides my brothers that lived in New York near us. So, but yeah, I think by the time, you know, December rolls around, we'll be really ready to see them. And it will be just a really great way to start 2022. It's so weird to say that. And kind of, I don't know, fill up our well a little bit before having another year living abroad. And I really want our kids to spend time with their cousins and I don't know, just kind of, you know, get out of here and have a break and um, celebrate the holidays with our families back home. The other thing that I found out about quarantine recently, and I have to check on this, but children under the six and under or under six are not required to quarantine. So, and then if you're vaccinated, you don't have to. So my husband and I and our two littlest kids will not have to quarantine. Um, I've also heard from our school that if the parents are exempt because they're vaccinated, then the children um, who should be attending school, who are enrolled in school, can also attend school during their quarantine, which is a total game changer. I thought we would be, you know, we were really on the fence with going home because we're worried about COVID back in America, honestly, with our kids. But also was the quarantine coming back, just having our kids at home for two weeks and missing school when they really should be in school. But if this is the case, that means all of our kids could go right back to school once they recovered a little bit from jet lag, which is really great news. So I'm gonna check on that, see if that's really the case because that seems like the best gift ever. But yeah, just wanted to share that I'm so happy that I'm vaccinated and I'm really grateful for chance to be vaccinated. And it just feels really good to be, you know, it's just one small drop in the bucket, but it's great to be a part of um, vaccines all over the world and we're going to get there. We're doing it. This is a pro vaccine podcast. <laughs> Let's take a little break and come back and talk about Lula Rich, the documentary I just watched. There's some talk on the Pod Little Things Facebook group about Lula Rich and I started that discussion because I had just finished the LuLaRoe documentary on Amazon Prime within two days, three days, very quickly. I couldn't stop watching it. And I just was so curious what other people thought if others had had watched it or listened to it. I wanna say a few things about it. And going into this, I just wanna say, I'm gonna share these things without, you know, I just want everyone to know that like, I know there's people, there's, there, I know there are people who listen to this podcast or have friends and family who have been involved in MLMs and this is like, I'm trying to be the least amount of judgmental about that. So just know I'm not going to be like criticizing. I'm just talking about the documentary. Um, I personally despise MLMs. I think they're a scam. I think they can be super predatory. I think sometimes they can have great products, but they're pyramid schemes. And I think there's a, they're complicated. And I think the often the people that are you know working on them and the consultants it's like usually pretty vulnerable and i for one feel like it's mostly targeted at stay-at-home moms or um more vulnerable 
people who are looking for alternate in- income while still having flexibility and are caretakers. So that's my position. But personally, like, I am so curious to hear more stories of people who feel comfortable sharing what their experiences were good or bad or in between or neutral or whatever, working for an MLM, whatever it is, like if it's in essential oils, if it's LuLaRoe in the past or now, if you sold Avon or Mary Kay or doTERRA, like oils or Young Living oils or gosh, there's so many, it was Norwex, um, there are so many. Um, I'm super curious to hear your experiences, not because I'm like, oh, I want to hear like just the terrible things that happened. Like I know a lot of people that are really successful at MLMs and it's a curious thing to me, but I'm also happy for them because I know that it can, you know, for a lot of people, it seems like the only way to kind of have that flexibility and to own your own business and kind of be able to spend more time with your kids. So I like totally get it. And I'm very curious about people's experiences. And I especially would love to hear if you've had good experiences. So if you want to send these to me and share them or send me an audio recording or video recording, please email me and we can get that set up because I would love to to share those on the podcast. Um, so a few of the thoughts that I had right away watching the podcast watching this documentary, Lula Ro, sorry, Lula Rich, and it's on Amazon Prime, is a similar feeling as when I saw Napoleon Dynamite for the first time when I was a junior or a senior in high school. So 16 or 17, I was in a theater with my boyfriend, like a Saturday afternoon, and we had heard about this movie. We heard it was kind of funny and quirky, and we like went to go see it at a matinee, and then we were both just like, oh my gosh. Like it was, we were like, is this a Mormon movie? Like we were like kind of confused. Like I was like, I love it, but I'm also like so confused. Like it was like watching so much of the culture that I grew up with and the geography that I, you know, saw every day and the landscape and some of the attitudes and dress and cliches like played out in front of me on a movie. It was wild. Like there's just so much. We don't need to talk about all, the, all about Napoleon Dynamite, but it was just like blowing away. And I got a similar feeling watching this, like, but it was like more uncomfortable because I knew going into it, Lula Rich was going to be critical of Lula Rowe and kind of dive into the negative side of MLMs and and tie it back into, you know, the not necessarily coincidental overlap of how so many MLMs are in Utah, which is the headquarters of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is the faith that I'm that I'm a member of. And also, MLMs are so often associated with full-time caregivers and stay-at-home moms and a lot of the culture of the Rocky Mountain West in America. So right out of the gate watching it, it was so bizarre to me because uh, the two co-founders honestly, they, they, you know, she's like really done up and stuff, but I was like, oh my gosh, these just look like, like a couple at your like local ward. Your ward is like in, in the church that I'm a part of. That's like your congregation, your church congregation. So, you know, these are often people you don't, sometimes you don't know them super well, but you see them every Sunday. You sometimes interact with them during the week. You live by them for years. You know, these just look, they looked and talked like people that I grew up with. And I, I think 
yeah, I don't know. It was it was kind of bizarre. But I was also really struck by how, you know, I, I kind of felt like the documentary was a little bit lazy. Um, it didn't seem to me like they had had as, as much of a tie-in to to conservative religion or culture as they could have. And they didn't interview people that were obviously um, embedded in Mormonism. And I I mean, there were some people that mentioned that. And obviously, the co-founders were really proud to mention that from the top. (laughs) But I thought it would have been really interesting if they would have interviewed you know, a female journalist or writer nowadays who can speak to this perspective of growing up surrounded by MLMs and seeing the tie-in of why, why are MLMs so popular in this state where, you know, the headquarters of this conservative church are? Like, why and why? Why are there so many women who, you know, are involved in these MLMs? Yeah, I just wish we would have had more of that that take. And specifically, I would have loved to hear from like Meg Conley. She's a, a writer who often writes about women of all stripes and and in and out of her faith and the economics of being um, a stay-at-home caregiver and what that can mean for like opportunity, um, short-term and long-term, and what that means for our families and our communities. And I just would have loved love, love, love to have her in the documentary. That's a lot to ask. They probably made this years ago, but I will add a link to the show notes. But she ended up doing, Meg Conley did a interview with another writer that I follow, Anne Helen Peterson, where she talked, oh my gosh, she talked about how she grew up in the same church congregation as the co-founders of LuLaRoe and how seeing the <laughs> Deanne, the co-founder, like, on the documentary she was like i can smell her now i can smell her perfume and her makeup and you know what it brought back the wild memories for me because she's like there's just a way that like ladies at church smell and i was like totally totally growing up like i it just brought back it was like a little bit of nostalgia but also like a little bit of uneasiness because sometimes that perfume is so strong when you're at church it's like and then it's people like sitting really close with you with sometimes stinky breath, like teaching you about God. And it's sometimes kind of like heavy, but then also I have really good memories of like leaders that I loved. And then I think of like the way they, it's kind of weird to say, but like the way that they smelled and the way that I felt in those like Sunday school rooms. And it's like very comforting and like really happy, fun memories, like special memories. But I love that Meg mentioned that in her interview. I'll leave, like I said, I'll leave a link in the show notes to it's an it's an email newsletter that you can read online for free, and it's talking about um, it's going much more in depth of like Meg's personal experience with the co-founders of Lulu wrote growing up near them, and then talking about you know what she, what her perspective is is like why so many stay-at-home moms have been involved in MLMs and that type of thing. So check that out for sure. I I read it this morning and I was blown away and I was also laughing out loud because, oh my gosh, it's so true. There's so much in there, so much. I wish that going back to how I wish it would have tied into conservative religion more, I wish it would have at least acknowledged like prosperity gospel, which is the idea that the better person that you are, then the more successful you are. And a lot of times that's interpreted as like the more money you have, which is just bananas. It's just like the weirdest idea 
obviously there's really good people all over the world who are impoverished and starving and that poverty and starvation has nothing to do with what they're offering the world, right? I will add, I just thought of this. I want to add a book in the show notes um, to a book by Kate Bowler about the prosperity gospel, which I learned so much from. Anyway, I wish they would have mentioned that. I wish they would have interviewed more Mormons or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who had experiences with LuLaRoe, um, either in it or just outside it, attending parties. I've known lots of women who sold LuLaRoe. I feel like there was like a few year, years where there was like a rush of Facebook group Wooloo invites um, friends from church groups growing up, friends from high school, uh, people I barely knew from high school, people from college, friends of cousins, like you know, several times removed, inviting me to Facebook groups um, where they were selling Wooloo leggings and dresses and stuff like that. It was close to me. I never participated and I never bought a Wooloo dress. It's not my style but anyway I just felt like there were a lot there were lots of people around me it just felt normal but I knew it was an MLM so I was as skeptical as I was with like essential oil MLMs and that kind of thing but anyway I found the Lula Rich documentary super super interesting and I highly recommend it it's several episodes five or six episodes and it's kind of something you can like listen to while you're doing something else or just sit and watch but I thought, I thought it was really interesting. And I would love to hear if you're willing to share any experience you've had with an MLM. I had a, some memories pop up while I was watching, watching it and just realizing, you know, I, MLM's multi-level marketing businesses were all around me since birth. Like they've been popular since Amway in the 90s, late 80s. And I remember growing up, like I went to a friend's house to play and I think I was in middle school early high school or something and then all of a sudden we were like gathered around in her kitchen there was like a few of us girls and like her mom was showing us like Mary Kay catalogs and then like we were trying on lipstick and I remember, and like there wasn't even a shade for my skin tone I remember being like what I don't have a super uncommon skin tone for where I grew up and so it was just like a little surprising and like the lipsticks were all not my color and I remember just being like I thought I was over here to play or like to hang out I don't I don't know why we're looking at makeup right now um but that was just like a very common thing where it was just like casually being sold to by someone's mom I was never sold to by someone's dad I never known a guy who's involved in MLMs but I know that there are lots of men who are involved but it feels like it's mostly women other funny memory that popped up when I read this article, uh, this interview with Meg Conley and, and and Helen Peterson was that with this, you know, like recognizing and remembering the smell of the women who were around you when you were at church or like church functions was that I remembered my childhood Sunday school teacher. She was quite young, like in her early 20s. She drove a bright red Ford Mustang with a Mary Kay like plaque on the back. And it was like total social cachet. Like it was like, wow. Well, like it's like you can do MLMs. Sure. People will kind of 
tease about it behind your back. But like if you drive the pink Mary Kay Cadillac or if you drive the so so basically what I was I don't know if everyone is familiar with this, but like if you sell enough of like MLM product, then there can be, you know, huge rewards and it can be like a car, right? So there were p- women who drove around like a pink Cadillac or like these red Ford Mustangs. So anyway, I just remember her driving that and she drove me home once from a church activity and I remember being like, wow, this is so cool. Like I want to drive like a sports car when I'm older that I earned from like selling stuff, you know? Anyway, just so funny. But anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Send me a, an email at closely at little things podcast or dm me on instagram even though i'm tired of instagram i will still check your uh messages this week is chusak chusak means autumn eve and it's a korean holiday that celebrates a harvest festival and lasts for three days straight it's a time to remember your ancestors and perform a ceremony for them eat delicious food together and gather with friends and family and because this is a national holiday we have several days of our kids have several days of school off and my husband has work off so we're going to go on a trip over the next i think it's like a five-day trip we're going to go on vacation to the west coast of korea we're just going to drive a couple hours and go stay in an airbnb house and hang out by the beach i think it might be a little bit muddy because on the west coast of Korea, so those beaches aren't always quite as nice, but we'll like dig for brine shrimp, brine shrimp, regular shrimp, crab. I don't, I don't remember what they have. <laughs> Clams, mussels, whatever. We'll look for fish. Um, our happy place is the beach, so I'm super excited. I'm sure we'll be playing lots of Pokemon Unite and eating out of convenience stores, which sounds grosser than it actually is you can actually just get normal food other convenience stories here um but yeah i'm really excited i always like having a trip to look forward to so i'm so glad i planned ahead and booked this airbnb vacation for chusak have you guys heard of the term try hard i i feel like i haven't heard that term for a long time but i recently heard it on instagram somebody i follow i can't remember they were just saying saying that they're confessing to be to being a tryhard and i don't know something about this i was just like wait i haven't heard that word for so long does it still mean the same thing that i thought it meant so i looked it up according to the dictionary line it says a person who participates in a game or other activity with too much enthusiasm emotion effort or commitment And like reading that, I was like, oh yeah, it is what I thought. And I think sometimes it has a negative connotation because a person who who you call a tryhard, well, I think the, the, the word is supposed to have a negative connotation. It's like, just relax, chill out, enjoy what you're doing. You don't need to take it so seriously. You don't need to try so hard. Just, just chill, right? But so it bothered me so much when I listened to this. Not the per- the person was really funny that I was following on um, Instagram. They were saying like, "I'm such a tryer, like blah blah blah. I try all these things, and I try so hard or whatever." And I was like, "Why? What's wrong with that?" And then I I think I got defensive for me because I was like, "I am like the epitome of a tryhard. <laughs> I'm always trying hard at stuff. I can't. I have such a hard time not trying hard at stuff. Definitely, there's things I just, you know." 
don't try it all. But overall, I'm such a tryhard. And I do put forth effort. And I do put forth, like, hard work trying to do things. And a lot of stuff doesn't come, like, super easy for me. And I'm, like, trying. And I think it's just a funny thing that we don't want to see people try. We don't want to see the effort. We want to act like someone's just their business is just is just growing it's just I turned around and my business had grown like so passively or like I have this family and like I don't know what happened it just I have this amazing family or everything or like I got really good grades and wow it just happened I didn't even try I'm just like naturally good at this or like I I'm so fit and I'm so strong and it just, yeah, I just didn't really try very hard. It just happened. But like the reality is, is that if you're doing anything, like if you're happy with your accomplishments, I feel like you're probably trying really hard. It's a rare, rare person who like doesn't have to work hard or try really hard. And it's silly that we pretend like they don't. I was talking to my husband the other day about this and we were just talking about fashion in Korea and he had an interesting observation he was saying that he kind of thinks that in Korea like people cool is looked at differently than it is in America in America if you're cool it you're not cool unless it's effortless or it appears effortless like your outfit has to look like it was casually put together if it's a really expensive shirt or pants or shoes they probably don't look brand new. Like the jeans probably have holes in them. I mean, this is a style right now or whatever, right? But, and like your leather jacket looks a little bit worn or it doesn't, it's not so matchy-matchy. It doesn't look like you bought it all at one time and that this is like one cool outfit. It's like something old that you're wearing and something new and something that's really unique. And it's, it has to be unique to be cool. So in Korea, I think we've both observed this, it doesn't seem like there's as much social cachet with like not trying to show that you're trying to be cool. Like if you're going to wear an expensive outfit, it's going to look like a full outfit, like head to toe, sweater around your shoulders, coordinating shoes, a mask, you know, I have to wear a face mask here. So like a mask that matches like a beautiful bag that everything goes together, like it's all together. Or like if someone looks like they're following 90s fashion, it's like head to toe 90s fashion. And it looks like it's it was purchased off of a mannequin at, I'm trying to think of a department store in Korea and I'm blinking. Like it shouldn't say gay, like SSG, like top to bottom, like the whole outfit, like you spent X amount of money and bought the whole outfit. And that's cool because it looks cool and it's okay to try to look like you're looking cool. Like you drive a nice car and you drive to the cool cafe and you get out with your cool outfit and you sit and you sip your coffee or your yuzu yuzu tea and like you look cool and that's still cool. But I feel like in America that wouldn't be cool. Like you have to be like, I don't know. It just feels like you're trying to follow the formula in America, then it's not cool. <laughs> it has to be somehow different or a little bit rebellious or unique or something, or it's not cool. Anyway, I just thought it was so interesting that like in one, we just kind of observed that like the effort, 
the effort is totally respected here and it's cool and like I feel like that's kind of nice <laughs> that like you don't have to pretend like you didn't try I don't know what I'm trying to say about this just that try hard shouldn't have such a negative connotation and that I don't want my kids to ever feel bad for having to try hard at things or giving up on things and saying hey I'm gonna try something else like I don't want to do this anymore um, there's nothing wrong with working hard, really hard at something and having other people know that you work really hard and you want something. Um, maybe it's like a fear of failure that doesn't allow us to, in America, in, as Americans, to like show that we work really hard for something and you're scared that it won't turn out and that you'll be a failure. I don't know. But I just thought it was interesting. I'm not going to be incorporating the term try hard into my vocabulary because it feels super dated, but it just made me think. And I was like, I... I would still like to be the person, a kind of person who people would think, oh, that person, she always tried hard. Like she always worked hard. She always tried hard, but not be a try hard. (laughs)